Welcome to Jammin' with Jason Mefford, a show where we discuss topics relevant to chief audit executives and professionals in audit, risk, and compliance. We discuss the technical and soft skills needed to navigate the minefields of organizations. You hear best practices and practical advice for helping you advance your career, and we'll even talk about music, mindfulness, and psychology, because we can. So sit back and relax while you listen to the number one podcast in the world for internal auditors, unscripted and unedited. Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, I'm glad to be back with you, my friend. Uh, And today we're going to talk about uh, an interesting topic. And uh, you may have looked at the title and thought, what is he talking about today? But don't worry, hang with me. Uh, We're going to get into that here in just a minute, and you're going to see exactly um, what I'm talking about. Now, I want to send a shout out to Peter Hanny. I hope I'm saying your name, uh, Peter. Well, I'm saying Peter correctly, but hopefully it's Hanny, uh, who sent in and said, I listen to and enjoy your uh, the different aspects that you cover and think about rather than straight audit ticks, tick box woo, talks. Okay, let me say that again. I listen to and enjoy your podcast for the different aspects covered rather than straight audit tick box talks. Well, Peter, you're in for a treat today because today we are not going to be just talking about straight audit tick box talks. Woo. That's, that's one for the tongue. All right. Uh, so if you are a regular listener, uh, please make sure and send me a message um, through LinkedIn so that I know that you're listening and uh, let me know what you like the best about the podcast so I can do more of that uh, because really I'm here to serve you and uh, you know try to bring you messages <clears throat> and information uh, that I know will be helpful for your career as well as for your life. And so today our topic we're gonna be talking about both is important for you from a career perspective, but also for your life. And it's around change and the courage to actually change. And I say that I use, you know, those two words, the two C words, courage and change go together. Because honestly, you know, once we get used to doing something, we get in our little rut and routine, it requires courage for us to actually change, okay? It's much safer, it's much easier to just sit there and keep doing the same things you've been doing and to keep believing some of the same things that you have been believing for a long time. And it actually takes courage to step out of that, uh, to think differently, and to, you know, sometimes actually question some of the things that you've been taught for your whole life. Because what I will tell you is we get indoctrinated, uh, we believe certain stories, and often it's bullshit, okay? And, And we don't realize it until we take time to kind of stick our head up stop and critically think about it, you know, and again, for all of you that are auditors, you should be critically thinking um, as well already. 
So today we're, we're going to go through and we're going to talk a little bit about change and some of the changes that you need to have the courage to actually start doing things differently. Okay. Now, as I said, kind of hold on, hang on with me um, because this is all going to make sense and I'm going to wrap it all up at the end. So make sure, you know, whatever you do, uh, hang with me the whole time and you'll actually see how this all comes together. Okay. Now, first off, I want to tell you a little bit about myself to, to kind of tie in what I want to talk about today. Um, you know, I currently live in the Los Angeles area. I moved down here probably, it's been 15 or 16 years ago, probably now. Um, but I grew up in Boise, Idaho. And um, <clears throat> so Boise is a, is a it's, it's kind of a smaller city. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a little frog in my throat today. <clears throat> uh, you know, there's, there's between three and 500,000 people that live in that area. Um, but it, it's, it's rather remote, uh, you know, to other places. You know, the next biggest cities were six to eight hours away from us. And so we were really kind of secluded in, in that particular area. And so kind of living in this little bubble. Now, um, I grew up in a family that was very religious. Um, and in, in that particular area, uh, you know, there were a lot of very religious people, um, particularly, you know, I grew up Mormon and, uh, you know, Utah, Idaho, <clears throat> a lot of the Western U.S. was actually settled by Mormons. And so, um, like I said, I grew up in a family that was Mormon, that was actually very religious. So from a small child, you know, I started going to church, they had me reading scripture, I was, I was learning all these different things. And I was being indoctrinated, and I was learning and believing what I was being taught. Okay. And I didn't know any different, because that's all I had as a kid, right? Here it is, my parents are actually telling me what I'm, what I'm supposed to do and what I'm supposed to think leaders in the church are telling me things, teaching me things, telling me what I need to think. And as a child, I didn't really question too much about that, right? Because as a child, you usually just kind of go along with what the authority figures are telling you. This is what you're supposed to believe. It's part of the normal indoctrination that we all get as children. Now, as I started growing up, you know, I got to my teenage years, there were certain things about the religion that I started questioning. I started having questions about, I started wondering, well, how can that really be true? That, that doesn't make sense to me. Maybe that doesn't feel right with who I believe that I am as a person. <clears throat> but I tried to just push those things away for a long time. I... I, I, I went forward, continued to, you know, try to be a good boy, make my parents happy. Um, I ended up going on a Mormon mission. Um, that's one of the reasons why I speak German. I spent two years in Germany uh, as a Mormon missionary. And it was a great experience for me to be able to get out and see that country, uh, learn the language, get to know other people outside of the little bubble area that I had grown up in Idaho. Okay. And, you know, that started to open my eyes a little bit more to 
life being different and people believing different things than I was taught in my little bubble as I was growing up, okay? Uh, and so I, I finished my mission. I came back home, uh, you know, got married fairly early, continued in the church. But as I grew older and older, more of those things kept creeping into my mind. You know, I'm not quite sure that I believe that. That doesn't make sense to me. How come it's this way? Uh, but I, but I, again, as I said, I continued to just kind of go along, even though I was having some of these thoughts. I didn't have the courage at that point to really change. I just went along with what I was being taught and felt like, well, just because I don't understand and just because it doesn't maybe make sense to me, I must be the one who is wrong. And so, as I said, I continued down that path. Now, again, as I've, as I've grown as an adult, you know, I moved down here to California Again, much, much bigger area, right? I mean, I grew up in a place where there were, you know, and when I grew up there, there were only two, maybe two or 300,000 people. There's probably half a million there now. But I moved down to LA where, <clears throat> you know, in the area down here, there's 20 to 25 million people, which is quite a big difference. And so I started, you know, getting introduced to other people who believed other things. And what I started to find was, a lot of these other people believe some of the same things that I do. And some of those things don't really line up with what my parents and the leaders in my church growing up had taught me. And so it, it made me start to realize that I wasn't the crazy one, right? I, that there were other people around who actually believed the same way that I did. Now, whenever we become indoctrinated, and I, and I use, you know, my example with religion, because that is, is a perfect example, and especially if you've been raised religious, and then later on in your life, you decide that that's not really for you, it takes courage to change and start to believe or start to live a different way than what you were taught the whole time growing up. Okay, and like I said, to begin with, it takes courage to actually change because we have to do things differently, right? We might, we might uh, you know, feel like we're embarrassing ourselves or letting other people down if we're truly honest with ourselves about what we believe, about what we think, and about what is really best or the right thing for us. And so I'm not going to go into it today because it's not really the purpose of this, but it, you know, it took me several years to really um, get honest with myself and realize and leave the church, okay, and actually live my life uh, the way that I felt like I needed to and be true to the beliefs that I had personally and realize that while there was a lot of good in the training and the indoctrination that I got, honestly, some of it was the bullshit that I'm talking about, that I was talking about before. And I had to let that go. But I also had to have the courage to be able to be willing to <clears throat> maybe lose some friends 
uh, which I did. I lost some friends when I left the church. Uh, to have some of my family not really understand what I'm doing and think that I'm crazy. And that happened. You know, some of my family was very understanding, others not so much so, right? And anytime that we want to change or we want to do things different, there are consequences. And there may be consequences that go along with when you decide that you want to make a change as well in your life. And again, that's why it takes courage to actually do it. But what I will tell you, uh, you know, from this experience that I had breaking away from the church and becoming who I am, I am much more free now than I was back then. But I had to have the courage and realize that there were going to be certain consequences to those actions. So again, you know, as I said, we, we get indoctrinated, we get told stories, and, and this is how I'm bringing it back around now to talk to you a little bit more professionally about this as well, okay? Um, I, I recently did a, a webinar and somebody had, had submitted a question and asked about, well, Jason, what do you think about the IIA's new practice guide on risk-based internal auditing? And I, and, you know, I, I hadn't seen it. I didn't know that there was anything out there about this. I'd seen some of the stuff that had been written before that I didn't agree with. <clears throat> and um, so afterwards, um, I went back and, and kind of looked up. And sure enough, in May of 2020, the IIA put out a practice guide on risk-based internal auditing. Now, what's interesting is they have not used that term before. Risk-based internal auditing is a term that I have been using for many, many years. Uh, it's the name of my book. Uh, the certification that I developed uh, uses that same term, risk-based internal auditing. Up until that document, the IIA had always referred to it as risk-based auditing. So, hmm, for some funny reason, all of a sudden now they're including the word internal in there as well in that document. Um, hmm, interesting. Anyway, I went through, I read the document. There's, um, it's surprisingly similar to what I have been preaching <laughs> for the last 10 years and is the first time that the IIA has really been saying some of the things that they've been saying. Now, there's still some big problems and gaps in that as far as, um, you know, we won't get into that today. Maybe in a future episode, I'll I'll actually kind of go through that. Um, but what's again interesting is I want to tie this back to the story that I told you to begin with. You know, as we grow up, and many of you that are in the internal audit profession, uh, you have been raised and fed and read the scripture of the IIA. Now, why do I use that term? Because unfortunately, many people around the world almost treat the Institute of Internal Auditors as if it is a religion and if it is a church and that we must only read our scriptures from the IIA, we may only get our training from the IIA and everything that the IIA says is correct. Now, just like in religion, I'm gonna tell you some of it is good and some of it, my friends, is bullshit. Okay, so I'm going to cry bullshit today um, on that. And what I want you to, to get you thinking about is, again, 
you know, is everything that they say the best thing for you? It may, it may not be. But what I want you to start doing is to have the courage to change and to realize that the IIA is not a religion. You do not have to follow everything that they put out there to be a good internal auditor. In fact, if you understand kind of the history of how the IIA developed back in the 40s, how the whole profession of internal auditing started, um, here's the reality, folks. They were copying external auditing. And external auditing really kind of got started in the late 1800s, early 1900s with some of the uh, financial crises that we had gotten into at that point. And especially after uh, the Great Depression, there were some new regulations that came out in the US that really started and formalized the practice of external auditing. So thinking about you know, the big four coming in and actually auditing an organization's financial statements. And so effectively what happened is the IIA really kind of copied a lot of what the external firms were doing about audit standards and about how to audit and pretty much were just copying it and creating a new thing for internal use within the company. Now, there's been a desire for many, many years for <clears throat> internal auditing to be seen as a profession on an equal plane as a certified public accountant. In fact, I served on a couple of different committees with the IIA talking about this, how we could uh, improve the profession and, and be seen on a higher uh, status similar to CPAs. Now, I'll tell you, they've been on that road for 50 years. It ain't ever going to happen. And so adding other things like a quality assurance improvement program, uh, doing having a peer review, all these other things is never going to get internal audit on the same level as CPAs. Why? Because CPAs are actually licenses and a CIA is a certification, okay? Now, again, where I'm going with this is that many people believe everything the IIA says is true, is the fact, is religion. Now, even that document that I referred to, the, the practice guide, is not something that you have to follow. It is not a part of the mandatory uh, uh, standards. It is their opinion on what you should do. But again, what a lot of you end up doing is taking that and believing that you have to follow that. And I'm here to tell you again, you do not. You need to do what is best for you and for your company, okay? Because honestly, and again, people don't realize this, but the IIA is a business. It is a multi-million dollar business and how they earn their money is through training and certifications, okay? And so a lot of times the bent is towards making you believe that you must get their certifications, you must get their training, you must follow everything that they tell you to do. And unfortunately, 
It has become like a religion in that way to a lot of people. But you can be a great internal auditor, do great work, add a lot of value to your organization, even by not following what they're saying. Okay, so that's a little tie in here. And again, so for some of you, you know, you may have been like me when I was younger, and you look at some of the things that are said, and you think, you know, I don't know that I quite agree with that. Well, I'm here to ask you and to encourage you to have the courage to actually question things and do things that are right for you. Don't just buy into things because some authority figure is telling you that that is what you need to do, okay? Uh, now, what that's going to mean is you're going to have to have courage to do that. And so again, some of the things that I say, and I know, you know, many of you say, Jason, you're great. You're a myth buster. You're saying exactly the things that we need to hear. Well, you need to start saying them too. It's not just me that needs to say them because the problem is there's a lot of people out there that are believing things and doing things that are actually hurting them. You know, I've talked about independence and objectivity before and how so much of the time that makes us appear as though we are self-righteous. That actually hurts you. And so following that, believing that bullshit is actually hurting you, hurting your career, and hurting the profession in general. And that's one of the reasons why I've become so vocal about it is I think we've gotten to a point where some of the things that are being done as a profession are actually hurting the profession more than they are helping it. Okay, now again, as I told you, so, so you, you really kind of have a choice, right? Do you wanna continue to just believe and follow kind of the traditional internal audit approach that's been around for a hundred years or do you actually want to do something that's going to serve you and serve your organization better? You know, when you think about it, it's like you have a horse and buggy. You've been given a horse and buggy. You've been told that, look, the horse and buggy is the way to do it. This is the way that, that we get around, you know, and this is the way we've always been doing it. And it's the best way to do it. It's like having a horse and buggy when you have the ability to use an automobile instead. I mean, come on, folks, you're going to stay in a horse and buggy or you're going to go buy a car, right? And so it's time to have the courage to actually change and do things different and move into the future. So what do some of these things look like? Well, you know, again, traditional auditing is usually very historical in nature. It's very financial statement focused. Why? Again, I just told you, it shouldn't be a surprise. It was copied based off of external auditing, okay? That's why it's been that way. Now, is that where most of the risks are in your organization? Absolutely not, okay? Um, and so again, you know, do you want to stay traditional or do you want to become more risk-based and actually do what's right for your organization? Maybe spend some more time actually doing advisory work if certain processes aren't in place. Spend more of your time actually focusing on 
projects that actually have a higher impact to the organization and are actually much more relevant to your executives and to your board? Or are you going to keep doing things the old horse and buggy way, right? It, the choice is up to you. You can do whatever you want to do. But again, if there's that little inkling in the back of your mind that's telling you, you know what, I think I need to do things different. I think I need to change. Start listening to that voice and start acting that way as well. Now, one of the other things that I will tell you is we don't do a very good job as auditors of being emotionally intelligent and actually understanding psychology, understanding how and what we need to do to work better with people within our organization. Because the reality is most of the traditional uh, mindset and philosophy that goes along with auditing makes you look like a robot to everybody else in your organization. And people don't like working with robots. We like humans. And so if you really want to start making a difference and a bigger impact in your life and in, in your career, and it's also going to help you have more fun and actually enjoy your job more when you actually understand emotional intelligence, when you learn some of the psychology and things behind uh, actually how to work better with people. Now, and again, this is, this is something that is not taught in the industry. And this is one of the reasons why I've started a briefing leadership program to be able to help people actually learn these skills that are, are necessary. You must have these skills in today's business environment. If you do not, you will just be relegated to being that robot in the corner and you're going to be frustrated uh, because you're not going to be able to get along with people. You're not going to be able to affect change. You're going to hear no a lot. You're going to get resistance from people. So if you're the kind of person, again, that's been having some of these things in the back of your mind saying, you know what, I think things need to be different. I think I need to do things different. I think I want to learn how to actually you know, influence people how to understand the psychology and be able to hear yes much more, to be able to develop relationships with people and actually be able to feel much more fulfilled in my job and feel like I'm adding, a, that I'm actually adding value to my organization. If you're that kind of person, then this briefing leadership program that I'm talking about is exactly the thing that you need. Okay, now, Again, it takes courage to change, right? So if you're feeling that, if you're thinking that, what you have to do is actually have the courage to change. You need to actually come join me in the briefing leadership program and actually learn and do the work that you need to do to actually be able to have those results that you want. Now, you may be lucky enough that your organization supports you in doing that, you may not be. But again, the choice is up to you on whatever you choose to do, right? If you want change, if you want to be different, it means you're gonna have to have courage. You're gonna have to put in the time. You're gonna have to put in the money. 
potentially to be able to get those results. But again, if I go back to my story from the beginning, you know, there were lots of times when I was feeling that in the back of my head and I was realizing that I needed to change. But just having those thoughts come in doesn't, didn't get me to move. I actually had to learn. I had to research and actually say, you know what, I don't really agree with that concept. Let me research that a little bit more and see what do I really think. Instead of just, you know, believing the indoctrination that my parents or the leaders in the church gave to me, I needed to find out the answer for myself. I had to put in the work. I had to learn. And then I actually had the courage, had to have the courage to take action and do things differently. And that's exactly what you need to do as well if you're one of these people who wants to change. Now, I know this, this episode kind of went a little bit different than you may have expected, um, but I'm here to tell you, my friend, it is um, the future is not going to be like the past. And if you want different results in the future, you have to start taking different actions now. You know, one of the one of the fallacies or things that we that we that we tend to believe that we don't really actually even understand is, well, if I don't change, if I just sit here and I don't rock the boat, and I and I and I'm I'm a good boy, <laughs> right? Uh, a, good, a good boy or a good girl, and I'm just doing what I'm told to do and what's expected of me and what's been indoctrinated into me, then everything is going to be okay. That's not the way the world works. The world is changing and you can either choose to continue to ride in your horse, you know, your, your horse and buggy, um, or you can actually do the things that you need to, uh, to, to be relevant in the future. Because human beings are emotional beings. And if you don't understand, if you're not emotionally intelligent, if you don't understand some of these concepts behind psychology, and how to actually lead people, how to manage relationships with your stakeholders, with your staff, and with yourself, then the future is going to be pretty hard. Uh, you're only going to go a little bit, of, a little bit, right? Horse and buggy only travels about 10 miles a day, but imagine how far you can go in a day in a car, okay? So you want to keep in the horse and buggy, or you actually want to get in the car and actually go to the future. Well, if you're the kind of person that wants to go to the future, I'm here to help. Okay. And again, check out the briefing leadership program. It's exactly the kind of thing that you need uh, to be able to move forward. You don't really need more training on how to write a better audit report. You need to understand how to actually manage relationships. The audit report is, is relatively small. Um, in the scale of what it is that you need to focus on in the beginning. So as Peter said, when he sent me the message, uh, it's, you know, this isn't about straight audit tick box talks. Uh, and that's where we kind of went today, because again, you know, I care about you. I want you to have the best career and life that you can. Uh, and so that's why sometimes I'm passionate and we kind of go off a little on a topic like this because I care about you and I want you to have a great life. I don't want you to keep living in fear or frustration. I want you to be happy. 
Um, I want you to have a sense of well-being and satisfaction uh, that you are important to your organization, that you're important as a person, and that you really are adding value and making a positive contribution in this world. So with that, my friends, I am going to sign off this week, and I'll catch you on a future episode of Jamming with Jason. See ya. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll catch you later on the next show. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy at ondemand.criskacademy.com. And that's C as in the letter C, riskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you also will have access to the video version of today's show. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.